As part of our efforts to document and share through our Learning Together podcast series how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted our lives, you're going to hear today about Andrea Lucas, who's currently an instructional coach working with teachers, students, staff, and families at Lamar Elementary School in San Antonio ISD. Andrea, who received her undergraduate degree in 2002 and master's in teaching in 2003, was a classroom teacher at both Hartman Elementary in Judson ISD and Lamar Elementary for 16 years. She received the Trinity Prize for Excellence in Teaching in 2018, and she was named Region 20 Teacher of the Year. I'm Nathan Cohn, Class of 1995, and this is the Trinity University Learning Together podcast series, where we feature faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who've established themselves as experts in their fields. It's all part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni. Today, Trinity University's Professor of Education, Angela Bridenstein, who's also a Class of 91 Trinity graduate, talks to Andrea about her job as an instructional coach and discusses how she and her fellow teachers are dealing with the situation impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Angela Bridenstine, and I'm a professor in the Department of Education at Trinity University. I'm also a graduate of Trinity, class of 1991, and the MIT class of 1992. And today, I'm really excited to be talking to Andrea Lucas, a fellow graduate of Trinity as well. She received her bachelor's degree in 2002 and her master's degree in 2003. And she's currently an instructional coach working with teachers, students, staff, and families at Lamar Elementary School in San Antonio ISD. She also just finished the semester teaching a class in our education department as an adjunct professor. Andrea was a classroom teacher at both Hartman Elementary in Judson ISD and at Lamar for 16 years, and she received the Trinity Prize for Excellence in Teaching in 2018. I was there and so proud. I can (laughs) add that editorial comment. And she was also named the Region 20 Teacher of the Year, a huge honor. In her free time, she enjoys swimming, working out at the YMCA, reading, traveling, and spending time with friends. Although not as much those things right now. (laughs) (laughs) Swimming pool is not open yet. (laughs) So it's the end of May and we're rounding out the year. And we were just talking, in fact, about what's going to happen this summer and looking ahead to the next school year and decisions that schools and teachers are facing. There's a lot of unknown. It is a very interesting time in education. So, Andrea, tell us a little bit about your job. What does an instructional specialist do, and how did you come into this role? Well, after 16 years as a teacher, um, I moved into a new spot this year, and my job is really focused on two school-wide initiatives that we have, project-based learning and social-emotional learning. Uh, The school that I work at is a little unique in um, that we are an in-district charter, we have been implementing these things for the last few years. So as a classroom teacher, I felt like I had a really interesting perspective and had tried these things on for a while and had been at the forefront of leading the teachers through it. And so this year, my role was mostly to do those things. But in reality, I also helped in any way I could to support teachers and students um, throughout the year. It has been really fun to help in lots of different ways to get to know all the kids at the campus and not just one classroom. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, that is a new perspective that you get to take in that kind of a role. And we should say also that you have been a mentor for our Trinity Master of Arts in Teaching interns as well as our undergraduate students. So you've always been in a coaching role. This is just in a different, more formal role 
um, in terms of the school and the other teachers there. Yes, it definitely helped to have the experience of mentoring the new teachers as I jumped into coaching all teachers. Are there any professors at Trinity who impact your work in the classroom and helped you to think about this role or some of the work that you do, especially in those initiatives? Definitely Dr. Pat Norman, who's recently um, moved from Trinity, but she was my professor and mentor at Trinity many years ago in 2002 when I did the MAT program, and I got to work with her closely the last uh, six years at Lamar. She just does a great job of modeling what she wants teachers to do in her own classes. I've taught alongside her and gotten to plan with her and learn about her planning processes, and that's been great. And she also always talks about giving teacher candidates and teachers a vision of the possible, in quotes. And I think that really taught me to dream big about what schools could do for kids and what teachers can do for kids and to just think that the sky's the limit. I do think that's probably a hallmark of our Trinity MAT program when I think about um, preparing teacher leaders and this idea, I think about what's possible and not just replicating schools, but reinventing or rethinking schooling and to bring our best thinking to bear in that. Our professional development schools like Lamar and our other schools are great places to try those ideas out with really thoughtful students and colleagues and families. So that's what you have, I think, at Lamar is this great opportunity to learn and practice and learn from that. And it's great to have lots of thinking partners, including staff at Trinity, to kind of help us maybe jump into things that aren't as familiar that other schools haven't done before. Yeah. So speaking of things that we haven't done before, how have you experienced what we're you know, experiencing right now in terms of remote teaching? Um, how have you seen teachers, students, and families respond to this new situation that we're in? Well, there are definitely a ton of challenges for all involved, but I also think that there's a lot of glimpses of possibility and things that are just really great that the communities and the teachers are doing. Teachers are really superheroes on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have they adjusted so quickly, and I think this has really caused our society to realize how essential we are. We were just talking about teachers are very essential, and I think people didn't realize all teachers do. I think I've heard lots of stories about just having a phone call to a teacher during remote learning has fixed the child's <laughs> um, struggle. So I just think they motivate and inspire and comfort and their relationships with their students really matter. There's been a lot I feel like our school has done for families to really support them. A lot of our families have struggled with food insecurity and not having technology. And so a lot of systems have gone in place uh, to help with those things. And I think as have a lot of places, but I feel like our school in particular has good, done a very good job. Right away, there were some makeshift food banks that got set up in a parent's garage and then in our counselor's garage. A lot of teachers have been calling, I mean, all teachers have been calling families to check in. One story in particular um, stands out, but I think this has happened a couple of different times when they've called the families to check in. The family just shared that they were really struggling. They may not have had food for dinner that night. And the teacher pretty much dropped what they were doing, went to the little makeshift food bank, grabbed food that could last the family a while and delivered it, which is really great. I feel like that's an amazing way to support families kind of on the fly, but also there's been some systems to help them. Recently, those little makeshift food banks have outgrown the garages. And so they've moved it 
to Grace Northridge, which isn't that far uh, from Trinity or from our school, they're a church that does snack packs for kids and they help out our families throughout the year on a regular basis with food. But now they've added these enlarged food banks to their deliveries, which is really great. So all the families uh, get their snack pack for the weekend, usually when they're at school, but now they get a whole box of food. I just read about that in the newspaper. I was so touched because that was the very first thing that Grace Northridge thought of was the families who they had had a relationship with your school, but then they realized that more was going to be needed and people just started dropping food off. It's really amazing the work that they've done and how the families at Lamar and the whole community, families have donated to the food bank, teachers have donated to the food bank, staff, money's been donated to provide for families. We even had books that were donated that we sorted to give to kids with the snack packs. That's great. That's great. Yeah. That reminds me of the emergency fund that we set up for students at Trinity too. You just can't think of all the things that people are going to need, but you know they're going to need it. And so to be able to have that also for our students as well. Yeah. 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 I'm really glad that Trinity has taken steps to help students in lots of different ways. One of the students in my uh, Trinity class was staying in the dorm still at Trinity and it sounded like he was very taken care of, but missing the yeah. human connection there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we really were seeing the school community family connection grow even closer. I mean, I think that we've noticed that ourselves that we became really close to our students via the online Zoom that we got to see into their bedrooms and their living rooms, but that we checked in with them personally a lot to see how they were doing. And so there were closer relationships and also it was more difficult also in some cases. Yeah, I think our teachers have definitely spoken with the families on a very, very regular basis uh, throughout this whole thing. Whereas when everyone's working and not at home, they may not communicate with them quite as much. That's right. So this is real partnership, not just communication, but exactly. So what academic supports is your school providing for families thinking that, you know, the role has switched and now the parent is calling the teacher (laughs) rather than the teacher calling the parents sometimes about the classroom instruction or what's happening. So how are you seeing your school providing academic support for families? Well, I think it's Definitely been not without its challenges. I think all teachers are sort of trying to strike a balance between being really flexible and understanding that families are going through a lot and having empathy and helping the family situations in any way possible, but still pushing the students to do their best work and to show up online. Our teachers are doing a synchronous class each day for about 30 minutes, most grade levels. And that's really been modeled after our social emotional learning block at school. So we're checking in with the kids emotionally first. So most of the synchronous time has been built around that. And then they're also providing a variety of asynchronous work that the students can complete and checking in with them when they have the synchronous meetings. They also have office hours and scheduled meeting times with smaller groups of kids. A lot of students are still receiving the services they were receiving for dyslexia or other learning disabilities as well, meeting with the teachers in smaller groups for that. A lot of grade levels have also been meeting with families on a more regular basis to get feedback, to see how the work is going, if it's too much, not enough. One particular project does come to mind when I think about like the vision of the possible. So our school 
participates in a curriculum called project-based learning, um, where students really engage in authentic problems and try to problem solve those things. And our fifth grade teachers um, have developed a project. The students have been doing a lot of different environmental science studies all year. You guys have great gardens at Lamar, too, right? We do have fantastic gardens. There's been quite a few Zoom uh, things posted or Facebook live messages from the gardens from families (laughs) and uh, (laughs) teachers, which is kind of fun. Um, But the fifth graders are developing their own sustainable city. Mm. So um, one thing that was really cool that they've done is because they're on Zoom, it's very easy to have guest speakers. That's right. I've found that myself, that it's been easier to bring people in because you're just inviting them to a Zoom call. Yeah. 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 I had some in my Trinity class as well. And the Trinity students really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, we had alumni come in, which was really great to talk about one year, two years, five years out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, so who did you ha- guys bring in? So they had someone from the sustainability office in the city of San Antonio came and spoke with them. Her expertise was around transportation, but I think she talked to them about sustainability goals in the city. Mm. Um, the kids really That's liked so that. Yes. And then we had a couple of people from the museum come and teach them just different things. One of the staff members taught them about digital storytelling So once they had their city created, now they're creating this digital story to kind of advertise and use propaganda to to persuade people that their city is the best. (laughs) So it's been really great for them to be able to do that. And the teachers said their attendance was like maxed out on the days that they had the guest speakers. That's amazing. So great. What a lure. Yeah, exactly. They knew they were coming. And so they should make sure they were available at one o'clock that day. So it's just really impressive that teachers are still like eager to learn and think outside the box. I think all the teachers across the board have learned so much about using technology to engage yes. kids. Yep. So have we. Yes. Yep. Well, yeah, digital storytelling, it's such an important medium. We're learning more about it at Trinity. We've had some sessions in the collaborative with our international studies program. And so, yeah, wonderful. It's really cool. And to be making things, right? Exactly. Yeah. And not just be using technology to complete things. Yeah, but to create. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to the conversation with Dr. Bridenstein and Andrea Lucas. So I just want to make sure people caught that you said that you're using your time when you're meeting synchronously, not for things, for example, where people might think mathematics, but for social-emotional learning, which is a major component of the learning experience for students and families at Lamar. Yeah, definitely. I think our families definitely appreciate that we are focused on the whole child and that we worry about teaching social skills and emotional regulation. And I think parents have appreciated that it's really transformed the culture of our school into a place that's very caring and nurturing and really looking for to give belonging to all the students that are there. Every time I walk through the doors, it's always a feeling I get at Lamar, including um, 
a feeling when you walk through the halls to see the students work on display. And then it's work that's important to the students and it's around often around social emotional learning. So how do you do that? How do teachers focus on those needs and teach and foster those? Well, there's definitely been a lot of professional development involved. (laughs) And Um, with leaders in the field. Yeah, we've had quite a few staff members who've traveled to Yale University to the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence um, to learn about their ruler curriculum, which is the curriculum that a lot of our time is based on. So our social-emotional block is called Tiger Time. Tiger Time. <laughs> we like that at Trinity. <laughs> That's right. We're the Lamar Tigers. I just can't get away from the Tigers. <laughs> so um, every day at Lamar, all the classrooms start with a, with Tiger Time, which is – it uses what's called a morning meeting structure. So there's always a greeting, some kind of check-in. The students get a chance to share. There's usually a message from the teacher. And then – Something is taught to the kids, whether it's about resilience or regulating your emotions when you feel angry or identifying emotions. But if you think about it, even during um, COVID, like as adults, we've had to use so many strategies to regulate our emotions. That's right. Yeah. So um, having the kids have those tools in their belt, I think, is super helpful. I know I've taken And the families, right? I mean, the students are taking what they're learning. Or I know you guys do a lot of family and community nights as well. So, yeah. Yep. I've taken a lot of walks around the block and a lot of deep (laughs) breaths and a lot of runs to help me regulate during during stay-at-home orders. (laughs) Yeah. So the teachers are really talking to students about those things. I know they focused on particularly when they've been home, they focused on regulating their emotions, optimism, Mm -hmm. connecting with people and feelings of loneliness, boredom. Like some, a lot of the kids were saying, we're bored. So they were talking about how to manage that. (laughs) Um, So they're really trying to make it fit with what the kids are going through, which I think is great. Also just learning how to identify emotions at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. They say, if you can't name it, you can't tame it. (laughs) So... Sometimes we can't even name how we're feeling as adults. <laughs> well, yeah, and I know that the ruler curriculum, it has the four quadrants where you can you have a color associated with it. So even if you can't name the exact feeling, students learn to name at least the quadrant they're in. I'm feeling kind of blue, red, green, yellow to begin to identify that as well. Yep, it's yeah. called the mood meter. There's yeah. an app for that. There is an app for that. <laughs> I think it's 99 cents. But it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We use it as one of our check-ins at Trinity. I mean, in the MAT, when we have different check-ins, we'll have the mood meter up and students will put a magnet where they are coming in. And we sometimes use that for a check-in because we want yep. to practice it as well as teachers. Yeah. 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 And that brings up a great point. I think a lot of times as adults, we want to build our own emotional skills so that we can help kids do the same. You know, if we're not modeling those things, then kids aren't seeing it and they might, you know, they're not going to understand it as well. So they, they're watching what we do as an adult, adult, especially during this time. So have you been doing things in your faculty meetings or gatherings where you're working on that adult side, both for yourselves, but also then what to do with the kids? Yeah, definitely. So we actually, we spent one whole faculty meeting doing that, but we, um, I feel like we have a lot of check-ins yeah. and like you were saying with the Trinity students, yeah. same thing, checking in on how, how everyone's doing, but we spent an entire faculty meeting reading and discussing an article about teacher self-care and how that impacts our own emotional health. 
we set up some different self-care options throughout the week, like yoga and (laughs) some different things that teachers can do to kind of um, escape from the day-to-day work that they're doing. And I think if kids are seeing that adults are being resilient and they see their parents um, going out and doing great things like donating to the food bank or running the food bank, then kids are learning that during tough times, you can, you know, help your community. I think also um, you, we have some colleagues in Atlanta and some neighborhood schools and teacher preparation programs talking about that in terms of um, some of the work that Dr. Norman did studying at Emory around the cognitively-based compassion training and thinking about um, as beginning teachers, how do we develop that self-regulation in a really stressful profession? I've been happy to see um, apps like Headspace offer free trials right now for teachers or for um, people to begin to practice this in these stressful times, but we need to keep it going forward also after this too. So looking ahead, what do you, I mean, you're looking to the summer, but their teachers work throughout the summer preparing curriculum for next year and dealing with the unknown. And I think you told me also that you're going to be teaching at Trinity this summer. So um, looking ahead, what has you excited about um, what's coming or curious? What are you looking to learn more about? Teachers are always learning. So what do you look, as you look ahead, what's on your mind? Well, I'm just curious to see how things play out as far as you know, what structure we're going to be in when we go back to school. But I'm really interested in taking some of the things that we're doing, the work that we're doing around equity and making sure that all kids are getting the learning opportunities and the social emotional opportunities that they need and expanding that and keeping that going as we continue whatever school looks like in the fall. But also the same on the academic side, like what is really going to engage kids academically if they're not at school every day? or if we, they have to go back to remote learning for a period of time, um, and thinking about what type of work kids want to do. They obviously love having guest speakers and learning about building and creating. And so I think thinking about how to inspire teachers and a school to move forward with that work is exciting. Well, it's been great to talk with you this afternoon, and it's going to be interesting to see where things go. I think Hopefully we'll all figure out ways to take the best of what we've experienced. Teachers put a lot together, professors, very quickly in a week, and then we got better and better at it. And I think we're going to take a lot of that good going forward and then have to um, figure out what the new reality will look like in the fall for us. Yeah, definitely. I'm very hopeful. And I think that good things are to come despite the challenges. Those are good words to end on. Thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.